Hello and welcome to the Dave and Josh show. How are we doing today, Dave? Not too bad, man. Um, I mean, today is our first day of sober. Was what, what should we call it? Sober October or sober tober? I think sober tober. I, like I think sober one. October though is like the more commonly used one, no? Yeah, but sober tober. We'll put our trademark on it and make some money, you know. <laughs> sober tober. <laughs> sober tober. No. Um. Yeah. Be it's our first day of sober tober. Um. It hasn't been that difficult to be honest yet because it's only been a day. Uh, <laughs> so we'll tell you more about it. But <clears throat> I mean, what are you hoping to get out of it, actually? I'm hoping to kind of reset my dopamine levels and kind of get mm. back to a point where I don't always desire that instant gratification. It's definitely yeah. a difficult time to do it, especially given COVID's getting worse here, cases are going up. So we're going to be stuck inside and. Being stuck inside right now and not drinking or smoking, yeah. or doing any of that stuff is not as easy as I originally thought. Because obviously we tried to quit smoking and then we kind of yeah. went on to alcohol for a little bit. Yeah. Um. So and then we went back to smoking. Exactly. To be honest, yeah, yeah. Um, I think the one thing that I keep telling myself though is this is like a test. If you can, if you can discipline yourself to stay sober. In Amsterdam during your uni time, during the uh, a pandemic where you, well you've got nothing better to do, then you could discipline yourself in almost anything. You know what I mean? Like it's a it's a good. I, what I think a lot of people get uh, sober sober tober wrong is that they do it for one month and then boom they're back on the same kind of um, lifestyle that they were prior to actually October. And I agree with you. I would like to reset everything too. But also continue that and, you know, bring those habits on with me for yeah, for the rest of my life, innit? Yeah, but I mean, <laughs> let's let's be, let's make it clear. We're not talking completely sober. No, 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 obviously, but more like in moderation. Because everyone says, yeah, everything is good in moderation. If you're actually doing it in moderation, realistically speaking, most of the time you're not. True. I think the biggest surprise is like... Sounds a bit stupid that uni students, especially if you know David and I, are doing sober October. Sober Tober. You're gonna keep <laughs> we're, we're, pushing this, yeah, aren't you? It's gonna be sober Tober. I'm, I'm sorry, sober-tober. man. It's sober Tober. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Well, I think it's definitely interesting seeing how people have taken on COVID, really, at least on a personal level. Right, because yeah. obviously people have had very different reactions to it. Some people are very, very cautious. And um, a lot of people do turn to the instant gratification things because when you are sitting around all day at home, it's very difficult. Nothing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I get it. One thing that COVID's also really tested is not just like a change in lifestyle, but it's also seen us turning into like smaller tribes, right? For example, I've noticed that there's a group such as the Netherlands that says you don't need a mask. And then you go to Asia and they're like, you do need a mask. There is no... Um, agreed upon fact out there you know and that is now and it's pushing us towards tribalism in the world and that brings us to today's question i would say is is the world becoming more tribal what do you reckon uh i think the world is is definitely becoming more tribal and i think it's really important to realize that humans are primates so we're we're tribal animals naturally and having like a kind of group of people with a common interest, a lot of people's identities almost get tied or bound to that group and their interest. 
And you're kind of starting to see it with, if you talk on a, a national scale, nationalism, um, with, say, Brazil, you're seeing it with the United States, you're seeing it with um, the UK with Brexit, right? Yeah. yeah. Um, I think the problem with the word nationalism is that, um, unfortunately, the media has changed, like, the has created a connotation with nationalism that's mainly negative right like it normally includes like the ideologies of xenophobia or uh, protectionism or isolationism and uh, i think it's really important that there are different variations of nationalism but bringing back to the answer it i think every country is moving towards nationalism in the sense that in some countries it's a bit more extreme where they are actually you know performing genocides like in in China, which is basically, it is a genocide, really. Like, but then there's also other forms of nationalism where they actually do include um, include more uh, migrants and uh, immigrants and stuff like that. But <clears throat> on that note, there was an interesting uh, book written by this guy called Florian Bieber. Wait, let me check. Is it Florian Bieber? I think it's Florian Bieber. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> okay, Florian yeah, Bieber. Okay for it. And um, he, what he did was he actually tried to find. Uh, whether there was a rising trend of nationalism within countries and how he did that is by looking at certain attitudes so he looked at uh, isolationism he looked at uh, protectionism pride of their own country uh, and also the like the level of trust that the people within that country have with people from outside of that country and what he found was a trying to measure nationalism is hard so it it wasn't easy so but what he found was there wasn't actually a real trend it may seem like it because it's been blowing up more in media but he didn't he says he hasn't seen a real trend that's interesting because i think um especially considering i study economics and statistics is pretty heavily uh, a pretty heavy topic in the course yeah statistics are very difficult to prove and i think you need to you need to actually look sometimes and take an observational perspective rather than mm. a mathematical perspective True. seeing the way that people react through um say for instance the riots in the states that's a kind of a tribal a tribal thing where you're going against you're going against what other people believe and i i, I believe that's that's all done right but it's very focused like you said on in the media, it makes sure that you see what it allows you to see. So the yeah. rights are very specific, but I still believe there's a general idea. Like, based on observation, we are in a very big bubble, basically. Living in Amsterdam, you meet a lot of people who are very open-minded, and especially people from the States or uh, Brazil or the UK. Like, obviously, I'm, I'm British as well. You're meeting a lot of people who have that perception that, actually, they are very open-minded. So... But I, it doesn't take away from the fact that despite there may not be a trend, I think in the countries that matter, so the powerful countries, yeah, there's, the yeah, like if, yeah. obviously you might not see a trend if you take into account all countries. But if you look at the countries that have the biggest influences, I think there might be a trend. Like, do you know what, then why what countries there... did this guy focus on? Um, He mainly, I can check really quickly right now. Well, Either way, like I, th I th either way, he mainly lo obviously looked at the U.S. Um, he looked at the Netherlands, and he did like a 
number of groups of countries but he i think what he did was in the graph he put in the ones that are actually kind of like more significant obviously like for example in one one graph um which was the low level of trust towards other countries he excluded hong kong but then in pride with itself he included hong kong but that's because you could see the pride within hong kong was between 2004 and 9 it was quite low actually mm -hmm. but then obviously recently we've seen a massive basically nationalism movement in hong kong uh, except not right wing but more left wing it's definitely uh, an interesting thing and obviously one thing that we got to talk about we've we spoke a little bit about countries we got to talk about the internet yeah, yeah. So the internet has yeah. allowed us to connect globally while yeah. also to some extent isolating ourselves locally because you're able yeah. to connect with people in... Without having to move out of your room, really. And when you discuss tribalism, we speak about... Isolationism. Yeah, a bit, in a, To a degree, yeah. I You actually see this a lot in Reddit, man. In Reddit? Yeah, Reddit is the definition of digital tribalism. You know what I mean? Because one thing... I didn't actually know about this. I actually had to read this from mm -hmm. this guy called uh, Brady Robard. And he... He actually mentioned that quite a lot of uh, subgroup Reddits, they actually have like almost a specific sh uh, set of languages. There's like unspoken rules when you enter it in this certain subgroup. But it's kind of nice because I can see the benefit to it. Imagine this is the kind of this is what I'm going to try to get you to picture. But imagine you are um, a kid that has um, an alcoholic father and uh, a mother that's not always there she she neglects you a bit you go to school you're kind of the, the loner of the school you're alone but then you go on this digital like you go on reddit and you find like-minded people and it's nice because now this kid actually feels like he has some sort of identity because he can identify with a group because at the end of the day we are social beings we are social animals we need to identify with a group the problem is because he's got no other group to identify with he becomes quite close-minded and you could see this especially if uh with very radical movements right and then people can unfortunately become i don't know a lot more islam um uh, xenophobic or uh racist or whatever you know and so i just, i see the good side and the bad side to it i think you kind of hit the nail on the head at the, at the end of the day there's um Tribalism, I don't think, is a good or a bad thing. I no. think it just is. And what especially the internet has allowed us to do is, in the past, some of these extremely radical thoughts or the like-minded people with extremely radical thoughts wouldn't have ever been able to find each other because yeah. yeah. there's such a small minority in the population that in a, in a pre-digital era, that connection would never have been made because they're such a small part of society and each in different communities. So those thoughts are kind of naturally almost abolished. Whereas in the digital age, you're able to connect with people online through, uh, through common interests, such as in some places, terrorism. Uh, it could be over racism. It could be over fascism. But it also could be music taste. Yeah. It also could be, I don't know, tech or um, music production, oh, for all I care, you know? But the only different thing i think is that with the internet by allowing these people to connect it has it creates the ability for them to act on it together because they're no longer yeah. alone it's yeah. the isolation in a local world that causes them to kind of go into the global world because everyone 
everyone needs social interactions, like you said earlier. Yeah. So it's definitely a, a scary thing because there's a lot of potential for negatives. Yeah, there is. And it almost, you know, like we always talk about regulating shit, mm-hmm. but it's almost like, could you regulate that? You know, could you regulate, okay, what kind, what is actually a, a group that is uh, acceptable? You know, because cause you, you could argue, okay, yeah, tribalism is good and people get to find each other but is that necessarily a good thing if they all agree on like bombing one particular place right and how do you control that like and also if you get rid of that it's almost you're getting rid of their own opinions too right yeah it gets i can see it getting really messy and i could see it just never being solved well the difficulty is is that it gives everyone a voice the internet yeah. basically provides a platform where everyone is... Which is a right, too. You're yeah. allowed to. You have to have one. But it's very difficult to be able... Who makes the judgment on what... On what is Because technically that's censorship. Yeah. yeah. Although you might see it for the right reasons, and it, it, that's a good thing, it's Someone still censorship. Yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. So, um... How would you... Yeah. I, I, I don't know. I feel like that's something I would ask someone to think about and hopefully... They'll get to that answer. <laughs> it's also interesting, though, I think, because social, we've talked about how countries can be um, tribal in, through nationalism. Uh, we've discussed how people just through forums and such are able to find like-minded individuals and then act on it. But the thing is, I also think that not only can social media be used to connect those kind of like-minded people, I think it can create the like-minded people. In that in certain regions, certain like just certain areas in general really, or based on what you're searching, it kind of intensifies those thoughts. Because algorithms are built to show you things that you like and have searched for previously yeah. Yeah, yeah. and that's popular in your area. So I think the key thing is, is actually these social media platforms like Facebook, Twitter... Like you've seen it with uh, day traders on Twitter, for instance. During the pandemic, people have turned to day trading or as a, a potential way to make money off their losses, right? Because yeah. obviously they've lost their job or something like that. And what do you find? Uh, suddenly there's massive, some of these uh, day traders have massive followings on Twitter. And that's effectively a tribe. And so social media creates tribes effectively, but it's just sometimes you don't realize they're ever being created. Maybe, but what you just mentioned would I wouldn't say that's necessarily the social media, but that's also just a, in a sense, a cult, right? It's one guy who says this is what I believe, this is what I think should be done, and everyone goes, oh yeah, okay, and they become a group of lemons and they stand behind the computer and they follow it, and I think that's also the fact, like the fact that social media allows that for it to happen, that someone can have that much influence over a lot of fucking people. That's dangerous because you. You can, I mean, low-key brainwash them into thinking a certain way that actually aligns with your values and your beliefs. And who's to say you won't misuse it? I mean, we've seen this happen before social media where a bunch of people moved to this island or something and then they ended up all poisoning themselves. It was the biggest mass suicide ever in history. I forgot what it's called, but it's because of a cult leader. People just followed him. News to me. Yeah, man. Uh, Either way, yeah. I I do. uh, The tribalism aspect of things is... Definitely complex. Yeah, it's for sure complex. But to answer the question, is the world becoming more tribal? Yes. Um, but without the tribalism, it, like with tribalism, it has 
led us to more efficiency because we only see what we really need to see, what I call a metro map. Like if you look at a map of a metro, it doesn't include the mountains, it doesn't include the street, it just includes the stops and the lines, that's it. And that does help create that efficiency, but the problem is it does create that huge divide between, not a, not only a big divide, but smaller divides between other groups, and that could lead to more conflict. Yeah, and while the world might be becoming more tribal, there's only um, a certain extent that kind of the way society works will allow it to become tribal, because it... The way the society works is heavily based on trades. So there's certain goods that countries aren't able to produce, and they can only get them from the countries that are able to produce them. And so if you want a supermarket full of shelves, full of all the fruits, full of all the the products, there's only a certain extent that you can become that tribal before it starts to cause problems in your own tribe. Like you're seeing this with the US. I don't know whether you know much about the US car manufacturing industry. No. Well, basically, that they're getting really annoyed at the tariffs that Trump is putting on their goods. And usually, most people that are in that situation tend to be pretty wealthy, and they're really pissed off. Yeah. So, true. despite the fact they're in a, a kind of a tribal society, there's a point where if your own life starts to get heavily, heavily impacted by that, that I think there might be still a push towards globalism as well like because we already live in a global world but the, the tribes may still exist and i think that's a, a co a coexistency that's actually okay and i think people actually just need to accept that it's okay to be different but it's also okay to be tribal as well yeah uh, to add on to that you could also say that tribalism could actually lead us to becoming more open-minded and accepting because we've now learned that there are so many different groups that we can't argue with everyone because not only do we not have the time but that it just causes a lot of issues so i think you could see that people will become in a sense more because of a lack of a better term liberal uh where they allow all views and all opinions and all, uh and are very accepting and i think yeah it could be good but it could also go pretty bad too as it's been mentioned earlier i think tribalism just is it's just it a is thing. it is what it is and yeah just like no. anything it can be used for good or bad yeah. yeah and i think that wraps it up for today so we so man thanks again for listening to the podcast and yep. uh we'll catch you next time catch you next time